your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood and in Trent. We trust. Yes, Trent Mann, the chief amateur scout of your Ottawa Senators. He went on a media tour yesterday, and I could not have more faith in him. We'll see if Pilsy feels the same way. We also have part two of our interview with Will Scout. You heard him get into some of the background of scouting. Well, today we ask him the tough questions. Who are the Sens picking at three and five? What's the philosophy there? And more. We also get back to our Sens Central draft rankings. We're into the teens because we're getting so close six days away from the NHL draft. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, September 30th, and Pilsy, we're going to get into the mock draft we did with all of the locked-on hosts who are drafting in the top 10. There are some surprises, and maybe we were a part of one of them, but we'll save that because Trent Mann, Chief Amateur Scout, he spoke to the media. I want to know, Pilsy, what your biggest takeaway was from the entire tour. My biggest takeaway from Trent Mann, first of all, is whatever Trent Mann does, I trust him. The, the amount of work and preparation and the results and success that he's had as chief of amateur scouting for the Ottawa Senators speaks for itself. So right off the bat, that's what I'm going to say as a blanket statement. Now, what I thought was most interesting about what he said is when he started talking about the right wing position, he mentions three guys specifically, Jack Quinn, Lucas Raymond, and Seth Jarvis. And we've said it multiple times, the Locked On Senators' official ideal selections, Byfield at three, Raymond at five. But that's ideal. This draft has potential, whether LA goes off the board, which isn't likely, but what Detroit does is what's going to cause the shift and the domino effect in teams' boards and where guys get picked, and that's where things get interesting. When he was on the drive, so first he had his press conference. It was Haley Salvian that asked specifically about Jack Quinn, And how fast was Trent Mann to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's lots of talent at right wing, which happens to be the Sens' second biggest need after an elite centerman. So I'm going to throw a situation at you, okay, Pilsy? Byfield at two, Raymond at four. So you're kind of in a pickle. You don't get the Sens' central perfect situation where you draft Byfield and Raymond. Is it most important to still leave the top five with a center and a right winger? Or... If you see Lucas Raymond go off the board at four, do you get on the phone and start trying to trade back? There's so many options here. I mean, you, you can go. I think you're going to take Stutzla at three. And look, people may think I've been a little hard on Stutzla, and maybe I have been a little lower on him than I should have been. And that's fine. Hand up. That's on me. But I prefer other guys over him. Lucas Raymond being one of those, Byfield being one of those. But if they're not options, then sure, you get your elite number one center at Tim Stutzla at pick number three. And then I think you need to fill that need of a scoring right winger at number five. But if Lucas Raymond is gone, then you start thinking about the possibility of trading down in the draft. And when I'm talking about trading down, no no way you're trading outside the top 10. That's for sure. But here's the thing with trading down that's so interesting. It depends on a few things. You have to be convinced that you can get your guy 
later on, and another team has to at least be worried or concerned that their guy is going to be taken earlier. There needs to be those two balancing things to happen for a team to want to trade down and for a team to want to trade up. So that's where it gets interesting because then you got to start looking at what you think, what your intel is on what other teams' boards look like and what needs they're targeting. We're going to get more into trading down as a possibility. And there's a couple teams that have some interesting gaps in assets. But I want to touch on something you said there. And I'm of the same mind. If you draft Timmy Stutzla, you draft him as a centerman, no doubt. But Trent Mann yesterday was quick to point out that every single meeting he has with his scouting staff, that's a debate that comes up because some think that he's better at center. Others think maybe he's better as a perimeter player, a bit more space to work with. Where do you draw the line? Are you also team center? I'm team center for sure. But look, not everyone's cut out to be a centerman in the National Hockey League. It's a t- arguably the toughest position to play. And if you draft Timmy Sutzla and it ends up looking like, look, he's going to be way more dynamic on the left wing, even though you already got Brady Kachuk. If you have that mindset, then maybe you go with another top end center at pick number five in Rossi or Perfetti, depending on where Detroit goes. You need to, whether it's pick number three or five, an absolute must is an elite number one center. And if you if and when you get that center, then you target the right wing. How far down in terms of number 10, you have Winnipeg. At nine, you have Minnesota. At eight, you have Buffalo. And seven is where the Devils are. Just to finish it off, six is the Anaheim Ducks. But seven and the Devils is where I'm looking because they have some bad contracts with only one year left that you might be able to pry away. Now, there's some no-trade movement clauses in there that might make it tough. But Kyle Palmieri, Travis Sajak would be two guys that you could target and try to trade down at the same time, still have more assets coming back in return. I'm looking at how the Devils have three first-round picks, but then they don't draft until Carolina's third-rounder. They don't have their own third-rounder at the start of the third round and no second-rounders. Do you know a team that has five picks in that range? Maybe you could make a deal with the Devil and trade back a little bit from five, maybe just to seven, and then spin it around where you're giving up some seconds, you're getting back maybe another first or another asset in return. I I just feel like the Devils would be the perfect partner to trade with. Yeah, that's definitely interesting, Ross. And it's crazy to think that the Devils don't have a second-round pick after the disastrous season they just had. But when you got three first-round picks, there's there's a lot of movement to be had. So I think that's definitely an option. And yeah, if you're the Senators and Lucas Raymond is not available for you at number five, that's when you seriously start looking into the option of trading down. The draft really starts at pick number four. What are the Red Wings doing? Remember after the first draft lottery, Sam Costantino said that Cole Perfetti is as much of a lock at four as Lafreniere is at one. So that's a guy who has connections, although that's a bit early in the process, three months before the draft, to say that this is exactly who they're going to take. Like, So take that with a grain of salt. One more thing from Trent Mann's uh, conference. He was asked about goalies, and as a goalie-friendly show, we'd be remiss not to mention it. And he said that they did an internal study recently about goalies, how they're drafted, how they're developed, which teams do it best, where they go. And he said if any point, if they're going to help the team get better, that they wouldn't hesitate taking a goalie. Now, in 31 Thoughts today, Askarov, they mentioned – five teams that are eyeing him in the top 15 and they mentioned Ottawa as one of them but the way Trent Mann was talking and the fact they traded up to get Sogard last year they have to see the upside on him 
he was very complimentary of the goalies they already have in the system. Would you be as shocked as I would if Askarov is their guy, whether trading down or not? I would be pretty shocked. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I would not be disappointed. It's Trent Mann. Right? Like, yeah, I, I fully trust Trent Mann and everyone. I haven't seen a single report that's downplaying Askarov. Everyone's saying generational talent. One of the best goalies we've seen could be drafted in the top 10. Will change a franchise for decades. Like, no one is disputing how good this guy is. It all comes down to your philosophy of drafting goalies. So it, it would be really interesting if the Sens drafted Askarov, but I would be shocked for sure. So would I, but goalie-friendly show, we'd have to hop on board right away. And Trent, we trust. And if you haven't listened to any of them, just go. He's the most calming presence, good East Coast boy. He was on Zoom from his uh, home out in New Brunswick. So anything he decides we're rolling with here on the Locked On Senators podcast. And we're actually, we should mention now, right after the first round of the draft, we always record in the morning, but after the draft, we're going to probably have a couple beers in us. We're going to be excited and we're going to be recording and we're not taking a day off right through the draft. From today, any day when you go to wherever you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Senators podcast. And that way you'll know right when we drop episodes. We've got a couple more guests, including Will Scouch, who we'll get to in just a minute today. And some fun ones coming up as we lead in to the draft, including one of the scouts who we have on our six rankings we use, draft rankings coming up later. But let's touch on the mock draft we did because it's great to get the hosts, the experts of each of the Locked On podcasts because they know best what their team is looking for. So I'll quickly roll through how the 10 played out and then I'm going to ask Pilsy what your biggest surprise was during the mock draft. So first overall pick, no surprise that John Chick, New York Rangers podcast, they took Alexei Lafreniere at number one. Sarah from Locked On Kings took Byfield at two. We chose Timmy Stutzla at three. And then from Locked On Red Wings, Nolan, he picked Lucas Raymond, which was a huge, tough pill for us to swallow. So we stuck with needing a scoring right winger. We took Jack Quinn at five. At six, Jason Hernandez from Locked On Ducks took Alex Holtz. Then Trey from Locked On Devils took Jamie Drysdale, the first defenseman at seven. The guys from the Sabres podcast couldn't make it. So as a team, we decided that Perfetti was the best fit there. And then Locked On Wild took Marco Rossi before Winnipeg Jets and Harrison took Anton Lundell. What was your biggest surprise on that top 10? Well, I would say biggest surprise is how far Rossi went down. For a guy who put up that many points and many touts are being NHL ready, I think it's crazy that he almost slipped out of the top 10. And Nolan talked about this from uh, Locked On Red Wings. He chose Lucas Raymond as his pick but he is very confident and believes that Cole Perfetti will be the pick for the Detroit Red Wings. So that made things interesting. And look, we took Jack Quinn at five because we didn't really want to get into a scenario where we're making up fake trades and trading down and stuff like that. So we took Jack Quinn at five because the Sens need an elite goal scorer and Craig Button touted him as the best scorer in the draft. So that sounded pretty good to us. And that's where we went that direction. For me, my biggest surprise was no Jake Sanderson in the top 10 at all. And if he's falling past 10, maybe Ottawa uses their assets and gets up into the early teens and takes Jake Sanderson. Imagine leaving the draft with Stutzla, with Jack Quinn, and with Jake Sanderson. You're setting yourself up for an unbelievable depth at every position, really, 
in your prospect pool. So you're going to be able to hear it's going to be on the national show on Monday's show, the Locked On NHL podcast. We'll retweet it at Send Central on Twitter, but make sure you listen. We rationalize our picks and uh, we get into a lot of great discussion with them. So shout out to everyone for being able to coordinate the time last night and, and do that on Zoom. But I think it's time to get to our interview. Part two, part one was yesterday with Will Scouch. And before we get to Will Scouch, we got to tell you about the best-selling authors from the Daily Stoic. New sponsor alert. Uh, the Daily Stoic comes from the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue to accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can. Sports teams access the country are applying for this popular philosophy used to Stoicism's key ideas. You don't control how you respond and play. You don't control what the refs or fans do or how the ball bounces. It's all about what you did to adapt. The lives of the Stoic, the art of living from Zeno to Marcellus is available now wherever books are sold. So make sure you pick up your own copy of The Lives of Stoic, The Art of Living. It's from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius, and it's available now wherever books are schooled. All right, here it is, part two of our interview with Will Scouch. Speaking of the Senators and getting into that, you mentioned the top 10 being so elite. Let's dive into the fact that the Sens have two of them. Now, philosophically, would you apply to taking a player that you feel is maybe the best at each different position, or are you just going strictly best player available? Based on what I've seen of this year's draft class, I mean, I look at what the Senators have and what they've been building, and you have Shabbat and Branstrom on the back end. I think those are two really bright, offensive-leaning defensemen. I think both of them, uh, you know, you don't want to have six of those on your team. And I think that when you look at the top ten this year, could you take Jamie Drysdale at five, for example? Sure. And you, you could convince me to do so. But I look at the Ottawa Senators up front, and, the, you know, you guys, you guys have guys like Drake Batherson and, you know, Josh Norris and Logan Brown, all these sort of we'll-see guys. And, and Brady Kachuk is sort of your, the, the young guy there. You know, I, I think that it wouldn't hurt for someone like the Ottawa Senators at third overall. Um, you know, I, I, I still have some questions about their center depth down the road. If Quinton Byfield is there at three. That's that is a no brainer. You win I, the I draft that, right away. You well, you you per value pick. I think that Quinton Byfield is the easiest call you'd make at at three, and at five. I mean, you know, I've always been a huge huge fan of Marco Rossi, and he's he's been in their backyard all day, and if that's the guy for them, I would totally understand why. I've seen Lucas Raymond play in Sweden this year, and he looks outstanding. I, those would be the two guys that I would be looking at at five and just say, you know what, the defense, we already have Shabbat. We already have Branstrom. You know, both of those guys, one, of, one is already, a, you know, top pair guy. The other one, I think, as a second pair, maybe uh, should be able to step in relatively quickly. I mean, Jamie Drysdale might be a year away at least. And I think that at five, it's just, I don't think he adds as much to the game as someone like a Raymond does. And I think with the Ottawa Senators, you can put out a lineup where line one, you've got Brady Kachuk, line two, you've got Lucas Raymond. And those are two exceptional two-way impact players who can play defensively, but can chip in offensively as well. You know, I think Lucas Raymond is a player that makes everyone else look better on the ice. And he has the offensive tools to sort of also produce on his own. Um, And it's only just starting to come out. And I think that 
you know, if the guys at three and five are, are a forward and a defenseman, sure. I, I, I wouldn't be, you know, unhappy about it because Jamie Drysdale is such a high-end player. If it's Jake Sanderson, probably not the guy that I would go for, but I can understand why they might, especially with guys like Shabbat on the team already. I, I just look at, you know, you take the best players and you let the problems sort of sort themselves out, especially when you have such high-end defensive prospects sort of either already on the team entrenched or pretty pretty close to getting there. Yeah, the the official ideal picks for the Locked On Centers podcast at three and five are Byfield and Raymond. So hopefully that happens there. Now, last question from me. I want to get uh, get into your mind a little here. We've ter- heard the term polarizing prospect a lot in this draft. I, I think Ross and I have used that term on six or seven different guys. But in your mind, who is the most polarizing prospect? Like you, you talk to some guys and they've got him so high on their list. And then you talk to another guy for the same player and he's all the way at the bottom of their list. Who is the one guy that comes to your mind uh, when polarizing prospect comes up? It seems now that guy has been Anton Lindell for a while. I mean, I, I look at Anton Lindell and see he is the exact reason, I, I would say. Him and Cole Perfetti are the exact reason that when I do my video reports, I don't have a skating category. Because those two guys, they, the skating isn't A-level. Like, it's objectively true. It's not 100%, you know, across the board. But the way that they're able to get around it is Lindell is just a very effective you know, puck toucher. He's, he's able to facilitate play really well. You know, he puts in a very intelligent positional game where he, I guess, plays very efficiently. Like he, he, he isn't slow either. I think people really overstate just how much of a weak skater he is. He's playing on, a, on big ice against men, you know, and he's driving really, really good results. I think, I think people kind of overlook the strengths of a player like that's game. I don't think he's a, a top line franchise center for sure but I think that's a guy that in a career year could have a solid season of production but when you look at his you know sort of the deeper analytics of his impact on the game like someone like a Jordan Stahl where you don't you don't look at him and go that's a guy I'd pick second or third overall where Stahl went but certainly a valuable member of your team and and for guys you know I'm looking at a team like New Jersey who's got something like Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes at, at center you know, with that eighth overall pick if, or seventh overall or whatever it is, if Lindell is a guy that they like, that would be a great fit because as a third center, you know, you can sort of shelter him a little bit, let him sort of play at his own pace, play intelligently at both ends. I think that's a player who I've seen ranked a lot lower lately where I'm sort of sitting there going, I think you're not seeing the forest through the trees here and focusing too much on an individual area of the game. And I think people write off prospects when they find an area of the game where they believe that it will sink them entirely. And I think that you kind of have to look at the results and then work your way backwards and go, all right, what's happening here to generate the positive results and what's happening here to generate the negative ones and, and manage the expectations accordingly. So that's a guy I think I've seen ranked really low, uh, which I don't a hundred percent agree with, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of value in that player, and he's still in that sort of high-end top 10 group for me. Definitely. He comes in at number 12 on our average rankings where we took six scouts and, and consolidated those lists. But I'll get you out of here on this one. And today we've got a pair of wingers that I don't think could be more opposite in the way they play, but I'd like kind of a who you'd rather in terms of drafting. Dylan Holloway or Rodian Amirov? That... 
Why do you do this to me? I know uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I look at Rodion Amirov and see, uh, you know, I think more of a, you know, if you like the sort of flair and offense and creative sort of style of hockey, definitely a Rodion Amirov guy. I, I think that there's tons and tons of potential with Amirov. I think him playing somewhat limited minutes in the KHL this year, really, and the fact that he only scored two points, I think really deflates his value to people. But the way that I saw him when I tracked him, I saw a tremendous two-way impact winger with great transition ability. Um, and with Dylan Holloway, he had a rough first half, I would say. I mean, adjusting from the AJHL to Wisconsin hockey was a pretty big adjustment for him. I think he was a little bit overwhelmed, just wasn't getting his feet and his hands under him, like especially not to the point where I saw him in the AJHL last year. But his second half was much better. He looked much more comfortable. There's a ton of skill there. I think Dylan Holloway is a really good Swiss Army Knife player. You could plug him in as a third-line center down the road, maybe. You could plug him in as a, as a second-line winger, maybe. He's got some really nice skill off the boards. He's creative with the puck. Um, but I look at Rodion Amirov's transition game. I, I see his skating ability. You know, he's, a, he's one of the more agile players in the draft on his edges. He's already playing well in the KHL. Uh, he drove really good results in all three levels that I saw him play this year. So I have him ranked in, at, at 11. So I know that's higher than most people, but I think the fact that he's getting reps in the KHL, he's a KHL everyday player. He's playing very well. You know, he's generating good results in transition. He's a, he's a perfectly fine defensive player, which is really when I'm looking for offensive players, that's what I want is if you're great defensively, great. But if you're just capable and not a liability, and you can still play offensively through that, that's even better. You know, I want guys who can score without worrying about them in the defensive end. And I find that with Amirov, that's kind of the case more often than not. Um, so he's a guy that I'd buy, wait for a while and see. Holloway, certainly not a bad consolation prize for sure. Awesome. Well, the Sens unfortunately won't be picking in that range, but should some balls be in the air movement, I'd be happy to see either of those in the organization. Will Scouts, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone listening, make sure to support the Scouting Report. Buy some Scoutswear merch. Ours is in the mail. We're hoping to get it for draft night and make sure you're going to Twitter and YouTube at Scouting there. Thanks again, Will. Enjoy the lead up to the draft. We'll be following along with all your analysis there. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks again to Will Scouch for joining us. Lots of great insight. What a what a bundle of knowledge he is. And you can always check him out, Scouching, on YouTube and on Twitter. Before we get back to our draft rankings, we got to tell you about Bilt Bar. The guys at Bilt Bar did it again. Man, I had the mint chocolate yesterday. It was so good after my workout. And I felt great after because I still felt like I was eating a candy bar. But you know it's the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. They come in 16 amazing flavors. I mentioned I had the mint chocolate. So eight of the 16 flavors have chocolate and are nut-free. The other eight have chocolates, but they come in nut flavors. They're soft. They're easy to chew. Built Bar, it's great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. Bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. I said that slow because... It is so important to note that Built Bars are elite when it comes to nutrition. Now, you can go to Built Bar and see all the great um, products they have, BuiltBar.com. And best part is because you're a Locked On listener, you know the promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first order of Built Bar. Now, with so many to choose from, and you can get variety packs, we like to narrow down to Pillsy's pick of the week. What do we have this week, Brandon? 
Well, for my pick of the week, I'm going peanut butter brownie. Like it's, if you love chocolate, you cannot avoid Built Bars. They're covered in chocolate. And then you get a chocolate brownie in there with peanut butter as well. 180 calories, 19 grams of protein. Where are you going to find that much protein with that little sugar? Only five grams of sugar. The peanut butter brownie is amazing. And Ross, it was hilarious. We were doing the Locked On mock draft and we weren't even recording. And all of us were just talking about as, as Locked On hosts, how much we just legit love Bilt Bars. The one, one of them, the guy from Locked On Ducks was eating a Bilt Bar while we were doing it. So that just goes to show this isn't just an ad for us. We legitimately love Bilt Bar. Yeah, I literally had one this morning after I went for a quick bike ride before we recorded. Get home, have your Bilt Bar, feel great. You can tell I'm full of energy right now. Six days away from the NHL draft. Are you kidding me? BiltBar.com. I'm going to have to reload when by the time the draft comes because I'm just going to be munching them to pass time as we get closer and closer to 7 p.m. on draft day. But BiltBar.com, put in promo code Locked On, $10 off. Your first order of Built Bar. They are the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go check for yourself, BuiltBar.com. Now it's time to get back to our Send Central Draft rankings. And don't think it was a mistake that we finished off our, our rankings with Dylan Holloway and Rodion Amirov and having that comparison that Scouch gave us because they come in at 17 and 16 respectively. Let's start with Dylan Holloway, the big Wisconsin winger. And he played an entire NCAA season as a, as a draft eligible. We saw that with Brady Kachuk. We saw the numbers weren't exactly great. Is this a situation similar to that? I think so, Ross. And look, similar kind of guy, power forward. EP has them, Dylan Holloway, sorry, as their third best power forward in the draft. He's very mature. He's disciplined defensively, which is what I like. He's going to be a solid penalty killer one day. And his net front presence is very similar to Brady. Like he gets a lot of dirty, dirty goals, but they don't, they don't care how they go in. They look the same on the stat sheet. So that's fine. He's got good speed. He's a two way forward. He, he tried sometimes the knock on him I find is when he enters the zone, sometimes he'll try to do a couple dekes and get around players, but he tries to do a little bit too much sometimes and get picked off his stick a little too easy. So that's one of the knocks I have on him, but great two-way power forward. We should mention uh, first that he comes in with an average ranking of 18 on our, um, on our scouts list. But I look at him and fun fact too, before going to Wisconsin, he played for the Okotoks Oilers in the AJHL, former teammate of his, Jacob Bernard Docker. So he does have some history with the Sens organization, but I like what you said there. He's a power forward. He's not going to wow you with his one-on-one skill, but he's going to drive the net. He's going to be a responsible player defensively. And I think a team's going to be happy to get him, but it's in that range where the Sens won't be drafting. I think he goes between 12 and 18. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, I don't see enough offensive upside for it to really make sense for me. I think you can get other power forwards later on in the draft with a little more offensive upside. Yeah, that's fair to say. So with that, we'll move on. We'll keep him brief and we'll go to a very intriguing player, in my opinion, Rodion Amirov. Now, will the Sens draft a small Russian forward? Probably not, but he does have a ton of skill and it doesn't come at the expense of his two-way game. And Amirov was a guy that Scouch uh, was very complimentary of, as you just heard in the interview. He definitely favored him over Holloway when we posed that question to him. And there's a lot of reasons why. First off, I'm going to start with his mobility. And what I like about the scouting reports is they don't do a skating 
category. They do mobility because sometimes skating gets looked at as just pure speed, uh, maybe the way you pivot, but there's, there's so much more to how you move, when you move, where you move, all that kind of stuff that he takes into account. He's got great edge work. He's got good agility. He's explosive. I think something to look at here, Ross, is he was playing in the MHL and he was lighting it up, but it seems like he was kind of done with that competition level. I think we're going to see really what kind of player Rodion Amirov is once he gets into a higher, more competitive league like the VHL or the KHL. And we'll see what he can do in a class that's a little more on par with his skill level because he's just above and beyond the guys he's playing with, with and against in the MHL, it seems to me. Well, definitely, because he was over a point per game there. But the good news with the draft being pushed back is he made his KHL debut, and he played seven games this year and had four points. So it's not really slowing him down. He doesn't play on one of the the top teams. He plays for UFA there. And then he also played three games in the VHL. So he has now graduated finally from the MHL, two points in three games there. So any question marks there? This could be one of those situations where the more time, the better for him because he is undersized. So to prove to these scouts, like, okay, he's six feet tall. He's 165 pounds. Like, he needs to, to bulk up a little bit to play in the National Hockey League. But if he can get one or two years here in the KHL and then you bring him over, I think that he could be a really interesting player. And who knows what his upside is, but I think it's, it's top six upside for sure. Definitely. I would agree. Like, look, EP has him as the second best two-way forward in the draft. But don't think of him as just a defensive guy. He had more points in the U18 World Championship than Lucas Raymond did. And Lucas Raymond had a hat trick in the final game. Like, he can put the puck in the net, too. He's an elite passer with high passing percentages, as uh, Will Scouch talks about in, in his review of him. And what I like is his shot relies more on precision than power. He's going to pick the corners. He's going to pick those nice spots rather than just trying to blast one by you. I think he's a really interesting prospect, but I don't think he's going to land in a range where the Senators will find themselves. Agreed. And he comes in at 16th, another left winger coming in with an average ranking of 17.67 as we move to 15th overall, coming in with an average of 17.16, very close to Amirov. Connor Zary, he's a center with the Kamloops Blazers. And to me, he is, and I want to put this respectfully because he did have 86 points in 57 games, but I just see him as like a, a third line. He can shoot, but just a two-way guy. Doesn't really excite me very much. I would say a little different. Like, I think he's pretty exciting. I think maybe one of the reasons you're down on him, Ross, is he's one of the oldest draft eligible players available. So that gives him an unfair advantage. Of course, you should be lighting it up, but... Look at the 86 points in 57 games. Only six WHL players in the past decade have had a better point per game number in their draft eligible year. So that's pretty impressive. Even when you consider he's a year older than most guys, he's got a sneaky release. Uh, he's got a lot of talent and I can see him being an elite number two center one day. But again, this is a guy in a range where the senators aren't going to find themselves. And by this point, they're going to have drafted their guy at center. Yeah, he, he's definitely not the first center you draft, with, especially with the, the names that we're going to get to that come before him. But he, he'll make a team happy, right? He's, he's the kind of guy where he's had solid points per progression. He was second on his team in scoring. He was just, I think, uh, five points. That's what it is. Uh, behind Zine Franklin, who I've never heard of, but he was first on that team. 
strong hockey IQ, good shot, smart passing. And he missed them a 19 draft, as you mentioned, by just 10 days. And happy belated, he just turned 19 five days ago as well. So I think that going to a contender would be a really good thing for this kid because less pressure, he's not going to be thrown into a top six role. I think he's the perfect kind of guy where, yes, he'll bring offense, but he can start on an NHL fourth line. You would rather have him there than a situation, just to bring it back to the Senators, where you want Josh Norris playing in a top six role or top nine. You don't. You wouldn't have Josh Norris in the NHL play on the fourth line. Zary, you could, and he would still be a decent contributor and have him work his way up the lineup. So Connor Zary, he comes in. You're, you mentioned you don't think the Sens would, would get him, and you wouldn't trade down looking for him, would you? No, I don't think so. Because like I said, you're going to have your guy at center. So you're, you're not going to target or uh, really focus on trying to move around to get him. Uh, now we get exciting because we already mentioned this player off the top. And he comes in at 14th with an average ranking of 15.83. It is Seth Jarvis. I like Seth Jarvis quite a lot, Ross. And here's the best thing I like about Seth Jarvis. He has a lethal backhand. One of the best backhands I've seen. Like it's, I don't want to say it's on par with Crosby, but it's similar to that because he is so confident in his backhand. When he's going in on a breakaway on a goalie, he does the same move every time and beats him every time high backhand. And it's because if you're a goalie, goalie friendly show, Ross, we both know this, and a shooter's coming in on you, you're banking on them trying to get to their forehand because if they go to their backhand, it's going to be a weaker shot, you assume, and you should be able to save it. But when your backhand is this elite, you can't cheat one way or another. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself embarrassed with him doing the same backhand move every time like he's doing on these junior goalies. So I think it's going to be really interesting for that facet. But then also, you mentioned he's not a big guy. Five foot ten, 172 pounds That's is what generous. I have him at. That's generous. Yeah. So maybe he's even smaller than that. But it doesn't matter. He loves getting into the high scoring areas. He'll do whatever it takes to get into those dirty areas to score goals. Remind you of anyone? Brady Kachuk. I mean, Brady Kachuk has more size, but he's got that grit and need to get right in front of the net. And I think Seth Jarvis does a really good job of that. He's a player who wants the puck on his stick. He craves carrying the puck into the offensive zone. This is not a dump and chase player. This is a highly skilled beat you one-on-one, look at the goalie in his eyes and say, I'm going to pick you apart all night. And he completely showed that by scoring 42 goals and earning 98 points in 58 games in the WHL. You think he's got a good two-way game? How about a plus 53 rating? This guy is two-way sniper. And soon, I think tomorrow's episode, we get into Jack Quinn. I don't see there being a huge gap between these two guys. Well, yeah, Jack Quinn's 6'2". I say Seth Jarvis is 5'10 on skates would be would be an accurate de- depiction. But these two guys, along with Alexander Holtz, this draft is so rich in scoring right wingers. And that's perfect for Ottawa having multiple picks. I think where the separation is with Jarvis and Quinn, though, Ross, is Quinn is a much more pure goal scorer. Like if, if you're looking for goals and only goals – you're going to go with Jack Quinn. Well, Jack Quinn I, was was killing penalties on the first unit of the best team in the CHL. So don't discount his two-way game. I guess I meant more as a dual threat pass shoot option. Is, Offensive. Is what it was. Yes, sorry. Yeah, I should have fair. prefaced that. That's what I meant. Because uh, Jarvis, 
he he's going to pass the puck a little bit more. He's more of a dual threat. He's a little more refined in other areas of his game. And listen to this. Only Sam Reinhart and Nick Patan had better points per game in their WHL in the WHL in their first draft eligible year. Eddie Jones from the Hockey Writer compared him to Nick Suzuki. And after what we saw Nick Suzuki do in these playoffs, that sounds pretty nice to me. Sounds great. But the Sam Reinhardt and, and Nick Patan, you say that, but then you look at Jack Quinn, who's the only scorers who had more goals than him in, in their draft eligible season, all went first overall. Patrick Kane, Steven Stamkos, and John Tavares. So, I mean, th- this is a great debate between these two players because both of them put the puck in the net. And that's what the Sens need. So really, if the Sens draft either of these guys, it's going to be fantastic news going forward for them. I'm not worried about his size. I think that he's shifty enough. He's going to be a kind of player. And we saw Braden Point almost won the Conn Smythe. He's 5'9 on a good day. So I don't think we're at, we're at a point in the NHL where size matters at the very least. Although it's still nice to have a few big guys, but you don't need a team full of them anymore. So thank God. I mean, bless his heart. Brian Murray would never draft Seth Jarvis, but... <laughs> Trent Mann might. Well, and that's what I was just going to hop in and say. Trent Mann made it very clear when uh, Lee Versage asked him, Do you, are you worried about the size of these small guys? And he said, look, the size isn't what we're looking about at. It's about the compete level. And this guy, he has compete level. So I think Seth Jarvis and Jack Quinn, I would say, are very, very complimentary players. And you can put tool those two together. And if the Sens end up with either one of those, even if it means trading down, I think that's going to be an absolute awesome situation. Seth Jarvis, 14th on our average rankings with a 15.83. And just because he's been on the tip of Sens fans' tongues recently, I'm going to roll through all six of our rankings before we move on. The highest is at 12. Corey Prodman, EP draft guide. Scott Wheeler had him at 16. Bob McKenzie at 18. And Craig Button all the way down at 23. So Button the lowest, but he's going to go high to mid-teens. He's been a riser all year long. Don't be surprised if he gets close to the top 10. Dawson Mercer, you mentioned guys with compete level coming in with an average of 14.33. We're going out to the rock by the Newfie, and he plays in the QMJHL now. But Dawson Mercer, you saw him in the World Juniors playing a limited fourth line role for Canada. He was traded midseason. He had injuries as well. So he played 26 games with Drummondville, had 42 points. Then he gets traded midseason comes back and has 18 points in 16 games with his new team. Where do you rank Dawson Mercer? I think he's an awesome, reliable scorer. Absolutely. And the the best thing about Dawson Mercer is he is just a delight to watch. Like EP gave him the best hands in the draft. Anytime you're a young guy and you've got those silky mitts, it it just makes you so much fun to watch. And fans are going to love this guy. He's so smooth. He just goes right at defenders and just dances around them and dances through them. He makes them look silly, and he has the utmost confidence to do it. And I like how EP did a little description comparing what he does to like a quarterback looking at a defense and just being like, I'm going to pick you apart here, here, here. And then he goes about that plan and just gets right through all the defenders. So I think his high hockey IQ is going to make him an unbelievable playmaker one day elite hockey IQ and I'm actually surprised that he's a name we haven't heard in the Sens stratosphere needing a right winger who can score well maybe he's a bit more of a playmaker that's fair but whoever gets him is going to be thrilled because he's not going to take long to get to the NHL I think next year in junior and then he steps right in no AHL time this guy he's too smart 
not to be able to adjust to the NHL level. I love everything he brings in a two-way sense as well. This guy will kill penalties. He will be standing in front of the net on a power play at the NHL level. When you get a guy who can contribute in all three facets of the game and be a, a great locker room guy by all accounts as well, as he wore a letter for the last two seasons with Drummondville. And look at this. They already gave him an A in Shikutimi for next season, and he's played 16 games there. So that speaks a lot to his character. I would love if the Sens trade down. This is a guy – or trade up with that 28th pick. He's not the first right winger I don't think he takes, so maybe trading down for that first one is a bit aggressive. But if you if you add this guy to your lineup or your organization, that is a great pick. So you don't pull him together with Quinn and Jarvis. You no, think he's but one I put him behind. I put him pretty close behind. But, yeah, I have – so we'll, we'll, do, we'll quickly do tiers at right wing. Lucas Raymond by himself, number one. Yep. Tier number two, in order, Quinn, Holtz. Jarvis and then in this third tier that's where we get in to your Dawson Mercers and maybe even your your Amirovs and your Holloways there as well yep yeah that's fair and that's the thing like this guy has such a high ceiling I think he just needs to add skating and defense to his toolbox and a a high floor and a high floor as well but you mentioned yeah if we are going to pick him apart because I think we have been super high on him his skating does need a little bit of work one thing before we go Lucas Raymond on TSN 1200 this morning and something interesting that he said, Ottawa is the team he has spoken the most to over these past few months. Anything to read into that, Pilsy? Love it. Look, it all depends on what the Red Wings do. If the Red Wings decide to go bold and take Raymond instead of Perfetti like everyone's expecting, then you got to switch up your plan. But if everything lines up and goes according to plan, you get Raymond at five and you are laughing. Sounds pretty good to me. We'll leave you with that for today on the Locked On Senators podcast. Tomorrow, we get in to you-know-who, Mr. Jack Quinn, and a whole lot more in our draft ranking. Stay tuned for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.